Gator Nation and welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators, your team every day. I'm your host, Zach Albaverde, staff writer for the Lake City Reporter. Good team win today. Found a way to win. You know, I think we've done that most of the year. We've been able to find ways to win as a team. And, you know, uh, started a really sloppy, sloppy first half for us with uh, execution. You know, I mean, and, and not just, oh, okay, well, we didn't block or this. I mean, guys just running the wrong, going the wrong direction, getting the wrong signal, running the wrong plays. So that was kind of disappointing. Um, but, we, you know, we, we felt we had a good plan, and, and the guys, we just told them, keep sticking with it, keep sticking with it. They did a great job with the plan to win, I think. That was Florida coach Dan Mullen discussing his team's 38-27 to comeback win over South Carolina on Saturday. The victory puts the Gators in first place in the SEC East and takes them into the bye week, setting up for a top 10 matchup with the Georgia Bulldogs. What's up, Florida fans? Welcome into the latest edition of Locked on Gators. On today's show, we'll review our five keys to the game in the first segment. In the second segment, I'll take out the report card and grade Florida's performance over the Gamecocks. And in the final segment, we'll bring you some more comments from Gators coach Dan Mullen as well as quarterback Kyle Trask. But let's start this thing reviewing our five keys to the game. The Gators hit in most of these areas. Key number one for Saturday against South Carolina was neutralizing South Carolina's defensive line. We know that they came into the game with one of the best units on that front. Javon Kinlaw is going to be a first-round pick next year, and you saw the damage that he could do on the interior, but I got to commend Florida's offensive line because I thought they did a good job in this area. Kyle Trask only ends up getting sacked two times. You know he was going to go down at some point in this game. South Carolina is just too good, but to only give up two sacks for all the times that Kyle Trask dropped back to throw the ball, I think that that's pretty impressive. And then you also have to factor in the run game. The Gators end up getting a lot of success with Lamar. Michael P. Ryan, he rushes for 68 yards on 14 carries. That's an average of 4.9 yards per touch, which is much better than he's been doing in some of his previous games. And then Damian Pierce also had the big touchdown run with some great blocking from his offensive line. So all in all, I thought the Gators did a good job trying to neutralize South Carolina's defensive line. Our second key to the game was for Kyle Trask to be accurate throwing the ball. We all know that the week prior in their upset win over Georgia, South Carolina got three interceptions, and that ended up being the difference in the game and how they were able to pull that off. And you saw that they put themselves in position to make plays Saturday, but Kyle Trask and his receivers, they did a good job for the most part trying to make plays through the air. He finishes 21 of 33, 64%. That's a good job against his secondary. Now, he does have one interception in the game, at least that counted, coming out to start the second half and throwing a pick on his first attempt. But he was able to rebound from that, catch fire in the fourth quarter. He did have another pick that he threw in the end zone, but it was negated, fortunately for Florida, because of a holding call. Kyle Trask was still able to score on that drive, and I thought that he was accurate with the football. He dealt with some issues early on in the game with the ball being wet and it slipping on some of his attempts, but he kind of settled in, and especially in the second half, our third key to the game for the Gators was trying to sustain some long drives. They were able to do that a couple weeks ago at LSU, and that was really key to the offensive success that they had. And I thought that going into this game, that's something that they would want to do on the road against the Gamecocks. And 
And unfortunately for Dan Mullen, it didn't happen for him the way that he would have wanted it to in the first half because they kept getting pinned deep in their own territory. But Kyle Trask kind of got off to a slow start, and they weren't able to really get it going until the second half. And in that first half, they had plenty of long fields, but only two possessions that got results, a six-play 44-yard drive for the field goal, and then the eight-play 75-yard drive, which was huge for Florida because that tied it up going into the half. And then the third and fourth quarter, the Gators obviously scored 28 points, but it doesn't happen from the long drives. Pierce breaks off the 75-yard touchdown run, and then the Gators get some short fields in the fourth quarter. They score in seven plays, driving 52 yards, three plays, driving 29 yards, and then a six-play 37-yard touchdown drive. So not an opportunity in the second half to really have those long sustained drives because Florida was able to flip the field and that ended up just being what type of game it was. It was sloppy at times because of all the rain, but they still found a way to have some success on offense. Our fourth key to the game was for Florida to play better up front defensively and they kind of got a mixed bag in this category. Obviously, you got the huge play from Zach Carter that changed the game. He gets the strip sack after Florida takes its first lead of the game. And then they're able to punch it in the end zone again and go up by two scores. You also got a sack from Jeremiah Moon. And Florida did a good job getting pressure on Halinski at times. But the issue that the Gators had Saturday was with their run defense. They give up 217 yards on the ground. A lot of struggles from their front seven trying to get some penetration and stop those runs. And South Carolina ended up having a big day on the ground. But you do have to give the Gators some credit up front defensively for making some plays in that game that impacted the result. And then our final key to the game was Florida being able to defend South Carolina wide receiver Brian Edwards. And you saw why right on that opening drive, he makes a big catch over C.J. Henderson to put them in Gators territory. And they end up punching it in on that drive. But after that, the Gators did a good job against him. He made seven receptions for 78 yards on Saturday. But after that big 41-yard catch to start the game, he made just six for 37 yards the rest of the way. So C.J. Henderson and that secondary did a good job guarding him, especially after that opening drive. And Edwards wasn't able to get in the end zone either for a touchdown catch. When we come back from this first break, we're going to take out our report card and grade the Gators' performance over South Carolina. You're listening to Locked On Gators, your team every day. All right, welcome back into the show. It is time to grade Florida's performance over South Carolina. And we start with the quarterback position and an A-minus performance for Kyle Trask. He throws for 200 yards and four touchdowns on 64% passing. He's the first Gator quarterback to throw for four touchdowns on the road since Tim Tebow in 2007 when he had four against the Wildcats. The only other Florida quarterbacks to accomplish that feat since 1996 or Danny Warfel, who did it three times, Rex Grossman, who did it twice, Doug Johnson, who also did it twice, and Chris Leak. So Kyle Trask puts himself into some pretty elite company with that performance. And again, he was able to bounce back from that early interception in the second half, and he's able to lead the Gators to another fourth quarter comeback with 21 points scored, and he was responsible for all three of those scores. You didn't see much of backup quarterback Emory Jones in this game. He just came in on one series and had the one carry for two yards. Dan Mullen said afterward that just the flow of the game and how Kyle Trask had been playing, he just wanted to stick with number 11, and definitely in the end, that proved to be a wise decision. Moving over to the running backs, a much better performance from this group. 
I gave those guys a B grade. Damian Pierce leads away with 87 yards on seven carries and his long touchdown run for 75 yards. Now, outside of that one run, though, he didn't really do much. Just six touches for 12 yards. It was really LaMichael Pirine who led the way outside of that one touchdown run by Pierce. Ryan finishes with 68 yards, had a 15-yard carry in the game, and again, he averaged 4.9 yards per touch. That is the type of average that you want to see him at. And now you have two out of the last three games where Florida's running backs have showed up against two of the best defensive lines in the country, so that's definitely an encouraging sign moving forward. Going to the wide receivers and tight ends, I don't know if these grades are ever going to change. Another A performance from both position groups. And it was a big day for redshirt freshman Jacob Copeland. He has 89 yards receiving on three catches, gets in the end zone for his first career touchdown in SEC play. And he was a difference maker in this matchup against the Gamecocks. You saw on Florida's field goal drive, he was able to blow by their top cornerback and make a big reception. And then later in the first half, he has the touchdown catch. And then in the second half, his third reception also helped set up a Florida score. So Jacob Copeland came up big for the Gators on Saturday. Dan Mullen said after the game the last couple weeks, he's really performed well in practice and stepped his game up. He's done better with the playbook and just being more consistent in his performance. And now he was rewarded with more playing time and he made the most of it. So I think you're going to see a lot more in number 15. Freddie Swain also made five catches for 20 yards, including the incredible diving touchdown catch that he made. Josh Hammond made two catches for 18 yards. Trevon Grimes caught two balls for 13, including the last touchdown catch. And then Cleveland got in on the action with a 14-yard grab. But you got to give props to number 89 for the block that he had on Pierce's long touchdown run. I know all the South Carolina fans were calling for a flag. But if you look at the replay, Cleveland is getting his face mask grabbed as well. So both of those guys were fighting for position on that play. And Cleveland ended up being the one that won that matchup. And Kyle Pitts, another huge game from the tight end position. He has five catches for 29 yards, including the touchdown catch that really gave the Gators all the momentum in the fourth quarter. Moving over to the offensive line, I thought that this was an admirable performance considering the level of competition that they went up against. So I gave Florida's O-line a B grade in this game. Being able to give Kyle Trask the time to sit back in the pocket on some of those throws that he completed, it was really impressive. Again, when you consider how good South Carolina's defensive line is, and then you go over to the run game with the holes that they were able to open up for Pirine, and then the perfectly executed blocking play that they had on Pierce's 75-yard touchdown run. Obviously, this unit is still inconsistent at times in its performance, and when it goes up against some of the better defensive linemen in this league, there are going to be plays where those guys just get beat. But I thought that they did a good job of battling. And when Florida got in the red zone, those guys were at their best so Kyle Trask could make the throws that he needed. Moving over to the other side of the ball and another disappointing performance from Florida's front seven. Let's start with the defensive line. I gave those guys a D grade last week against LSU. I thought that they played better against South Carolina. I gave them a C grade in this game. And they get some brownie points for Zach Carter's play. Obviously, that strip sack swung all the momentum in Florida's favor, and it couldn't have come at a better time. And you also had Adam Schuler get in the backfield and make some plays. But there were other times when South Carolina ran the ball that Florida's defensive line just wasn't able to get any penetration and wasn't able to fit those gaps and affect those runs. Kyrie Campbell led all defensive linemen with four tackles in the game. You also had three stops from Schuler, including two tackles for a loss and three tackles from Luke Ankrum as well. But his false start penalties on the opening drive were absolute killers for Florida. That should have been three points that South Carolina had to start the game. And instead, they get a touchdown because of Ankrum's mistakes. 
So it was a mixed bag of results. Again, you got the big play from Zachary Carter, but there were other moments in the game where the defensive line left a lot to be desired. Moving to the linebacker position, I gave this group a C grade against the Gamecocks. David Reese the second got in double digits once again and led this team with 13 tackles. I thought that he played real physical against South Carolina and was one of the bright spots in Florida's run defense. But there were times where Reese had to drop back in coverage and struggled against South Carolina. And then Ventro Miller had kind of an up and down day. He really struggled at LSU. And I thought that at times he played much better at South Carolina. But if you go back and look at both of South Carolina's touchdown runs, Miller is in position to make a play and he's not able to get it done. So still some inconsistencies with his performance. He finished the game with five tackles. And you also had Jeremiah Moon getting four stops from his buck position, including a sack. And James Houston made three tackles as well. And finishing it off with Florida secondary, I gave them a B-plus performance. The Gators give up 170 yards to Ryan Halinski, which isn't bad. But he was able to get off to a strong start in this game and made some plays that gave the Gamecocks momentum. But I got to give defensive coordinator Todd Grantham and his unit credit because after that, they really buckled down. And they did a good job of taking away South Carolina's passing game. Now, they were having so much success in the run that that allowed them to be competitive against the Gators. But C.J. Henderson really stepped up after giving up that big catch. He had a pass breakup later in the game against Edwards. And then he also came in in the red zone and had a huge sack on Halinski. That prevented South Carolina from being able to score a touchdown. And they had to settle for a field goal on that drive. And then Amari Bernie, he got some reps at Florida star position. And I thought that he did a really good job playing this. That's a spot that Florida struggled with the last few weeks. And he stepped in and was able to make some plays against the Gamecocks, including the pass breakup that he had on third down that ended one of their drives. So maybe you could see Bernie getting some more reps there at that star position. C.J. Henderson finished the game with nine tackles, including eight solo. Marco Wilson and Bernie also made four stops in the game. But one thing that did bring the grade down was the play of the safeties. I thought that they over-pursued at times. And Donovan Steiner had a chance to make some stops and miss tackles. So he was also part of the problem with the run defense. Just a lot of blame to go around in that area. And then finishing it off with the special teams, Evan McPherson makes his one field goal in the game. It looked like it was going to be wide right when it started out, but he was able to sneak it in. And that was a huge field goal for Ford at that point in the game because they went three and out on their opening drive. And then Tommy Townsend did a great job punting the ball. Forder was able to flip the field in the second half behind his leg. And there was one of the punts that he just executed perfectly. The Gators gunners got down there and they were able to pin the Gamecocks deep. All right, that'll do it for grading the Gators. When we come back from this final break, we'll bring you some post-game comments from Florida coach Dan Mullen and quarterback Kyle Trask. You're listening to Locked on Gators, your team every day. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com locked to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Florida fans, if you're making your way to Gainesville this fall for UF home games or you're just a sports junkie like me, then I've got the perfect place for you. The Mealy Pop Shop, located off I-75 on 39th Avenue, is your one-stop shop for sports cards, memorabilia, autographs, gaming, and collectibles. I've been able to load up on my Michael Jordan cards since the shop opened last year. They have college and NFL games on in the store every weekend and a bunch of cool events, sometimes featuring former Gator players like Percy Harvin. Their NFL weekly pick them is free and fun with weekly prizes and a season-long prize so check out the mealy pop shop at 3700 northwest 91st street gainesville florida or call at 352-204-5573 
And UF coach Dan Mullen was a happy camper after the game. His team is off to a 7-1 and one start. Florida has only done that twice since 2010. And he is just the fifth Gators coach in school history to win 17 of his first 21 games. And now he has his team in control of their destiny in the SEC East after Missouri's loss to Vanderbilt on Saturday. Here's what Mullen had to say after his Gators rallied to beat the Gamecocks. Love it. You know, this is... Uh, you know, you, you drew it up and said, you know, this is, this is, you want to be in November. You know, we're going to head into November, right? I think next game's in November, if I look at my calendar right. So you're heading into November in control of your own destiny and what's going to happen, and that's where, where we want to be. That's where we expect to be at, at Florida. So um, we got a bye week, chance to hopefully hopefully get some guys healthy. You know what I mean? I I mean, it's it's great credit to the guys that have our, our team, the guys next guy up of, to get us in this position with all all the injuries we've had to deal with this year. Uh, but hopefully we get healthy moving forward, and you know we got a got a big break, and uh, got a big three game stretch after the bye to uh, try to win the SEC East. Seems like you did that. The rain, the weather. The... Yeah, I mean, you know, you come out rainy day. We don't, you know, you know, you, you come out their first drive. They make a leaping, diving, one handed catch after we make a great defensive play, and we get two offside penalties. You know what I mean? And then we go out and we have three MAs, three missed assignments, three times in a row. Guys go the wrong direction, run the wrong play, and you're like, "Holy cow!" Maybe, you know, maybe we're not going to handle the adversity really well. But, uh, you know, I mean, we just keep coaching. Our guys keep playing. Give great effort. You know, at halftime, we're not, you know, we're not not a whole lot of panic. You know, and even when we come out the first play of the second half. You know, just. Just here, take the ball and get a quick touchdown. You know, let's let's throw some more adversity on ourselves. So, uh, but found a way to win. Came back. You know, and, and you know, one of the hard things you look at the fourth quarter of that game. You know, coming off the stretch we've had to just come off of, right? You know, where you're playing two top ten teams and played one last week, where your team gets home at four or something in the morning from a you know late night kickoff. And be able to finish the game, what was it, 21-7 in the fourth? To finish the game that way, um, you know, really shows a lot about the mental toughness of the team. Um, you know, I think, I think the biggest thing for him, he's had the last two weeks, he's had really good, he's been much better in practice. Uh, much a different player in practice than he was, you know, and and not playmaking. I mean, I've watched him make plays. This different player in the discipline and what he's doing and knowing his assignment, knowing how to run routes, uh, you know. Which I think for young guys, that's the hard thing. That you know, look and be like, Coach, don't you see me make these great plays? I'm a playmaker, and I say I do, but then I see you go the wrong way sometimes. You know, I mean, you got to be disciplined and exact. And in the last two weeks, he's really done a good job of that of 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 improving uh, that way and. Uh, you know, I think that was, uh, you know, you, you saw us. So I think he's gotten a lot more trust from everybody. And you saw that he has the ability to make plays. Well, Greg, it was a really athletic catch and rough finish to the play. It was a great play. Kyle Trask also met with reporters following his four-touchdown performance. And after one of those scores, Trask actually shushed the crowd. Now, I didn't catch this during the game, but he revealed afterward that he did, in fact, do it. And he said that it was in honor of Felipe Franks, who obviously did that last year against the Gamecocks after he led them to a comeback win. But here's what Kyle Trask had to say after leading his team to another road win with a 21-point fourth quarter. A lot of the, you know, all the little things happening early on in the game, I think it's just we need to just hone in more on communication and just get on the same page. We had a couple mess-ups, and then we all just came together and was like, like, come on, like, this isn't us. And we kind of just found our identity. and. That's when we started making plays. Uh, I think it just shows how 
close-knit our team is all around. Um, you know, we always got each other's backs, and it really showed tonight. It's just your crowd there, huh? <laughs> Had to do one for Franks right there. <laughs> 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 what was that fourth quarter like, though, with, with going into their student section and you had the, the towels being thrown out oh, there from time uh, to time? I mean, Chris. I loved it. I mean, this is we got Jacob Copeland back this here. is what you play for, just come into a hostile environment, you know, you know, take and earn everything that, you know, is on the field. And, I mean, we love playing games like this, and I'm really proud of how our guys um, came together there at the end and uh, executed at a high level. How would you personally kind of evaluate your progress? Uh, I would say, I mean, you know, just with reps and experience, you just gel more, you know, get – better timing with the guys and I think you know we started clicking here in the second half and I think some of that showed we just started getting on the same page and gelling together and just and we were always on the same page pretty much every play from the second half really quick we have a very resilient team you know we're never going to panic no matter the situation and I think this is a special group of guys because we all got each other's backs and you know you know, we always make plays when we need them. That'll do it for the latest edition of Locked On Gators. On today's show, we recapped our five keys to the game in the first segment. In the second segment, I took out my report card and graded Florida's performance over South Carolina. And in the final segment, we brought you some post-game comments from Dan Mullen and Kyle Trask. On tomorrow's show, we'll continue to break down this win over South Carolina and what it means for the Gators as they try to finish on top in the SEC East. You're listening to Locked On Gators your team every day.